Pastor Ed Taylor with a few questions for you to mull over. How are you in the peace category? How are you in the confidence category? Who do you run to when you have trouble? Where do you go when the doctor says, I'm sorry, but I can't help you? What happens when your bank account has a negative in front of it instead of a positive? It's red, not black. Where do you run? And God will continue to allow that part of your life. See, the message is more important than the messenger any day of the week. And like Naaman, leprosy is a picture of sin. And all of us have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. We all hit the brick wall. We all hit the place where I'm out. I have no ability to get out of this. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Hi there, and welcome again to Abounding Grace, a ministry of Calvary Church, Colorado. Pastor Ed Taylor will join us in a second and pick up where we left off in 2 Kings 5. We've been spending a little extra time on the story of Naaman as it is so relevant and applicable to our lives. Naaman didn't have a shortage of money, that's for sure, but he had a problem only God could deal with. Today we'll uncover how the leprosy he dealt with is a picture of our salvation story. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek God first. Space says, you, you go after God first. You make him the supreme priority in your life. You, you run after who God is and what God wants for you. You go after him. And all these things will be added unto you. God doesn't want you naked and starving. That's not the point. Naked and starving. Oh, here we are as believers. First of all, that would be really weird. If the only ones in the church were naked everywhere, what's wrong with you? I'm a believer. Yeah, but you're weird, dude. Like, put some clothes on. No, Jesus said, don't worry about clothes, so I'm just going to walk around, not worry about clothes. Well, what's that sound I hear? Oh, that's my stomach. What's your problem? I haven't eaten. Well, why? Because Jesus told me I should be naked and hungry. Oh, show me that in the Bible. No, that's not. That's not the heart of the matter. How many times do we miss something that Jesus has for us because we miss the whole point? The whole point isn't for you to be naked and starving. The whole point that our Jesus was saying, he says, you want the fullness of life. You want satisfaction in life. You're not going to find it in money. And you're not going to find it in food. And you're not going to find it in clothing. You're going to find it in God. And his kingdom, which means his rulership over our lives. And what has God done? God has let you rule your life up to this point. Like, like those of you listening to me right now that don't have a real relationship with God, God has let you rule your life up to this point. And, and you, I would have to follow up with that and say, well, how's it working for you? How are you in the satisfaction category? How are you in the peace category? How are you in the confidence category? 
Who do you run to when you have trouble? Where do you go when the doctor says, I'm sorry, but I can't help you? What happens when your bank account has a negative in front of it instead of a positive? It's red, not black. Where do you run? And God will continue to allow that part of your life. See, the message is more important than the messenger any day of the week. And like Naaman, leprosy is a picture of sin. And all of us have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. We all hit the brick wall. We all hit the place where I'm out, I have no ability to get out of this. Secondly, the message of hope was given to a little girl. Someone that would be easily dismissed. Someone that would be easily ignored. Someone that, that we might just, man, I'm not going to listen to some little girl. And you come into a church service, or you turn on some radio, and you go, I'm not going to listen to some guy telling me about the Bible. What gives him the credentials? And what gives him the, you know, in, 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 in this environment, you know, well, what, what seminary did you go to, man? Where, where, what makes you such an authority on the Bible? But he, one thing you have to learn is that the world values human authority, but God is really the only source of authority. And one thing that God has done throughout the ages that you have to give him props for is that he has changed lives in every generation. He has literally, God has literally changed lives. So that, so much so that we give opportunity for people to come up and talk about the changed life. It's called giving a testimony. And, and basically the testimony is where were you? What was your life like before you met God? How did God introduce himself to you? And where are you now? And it, it isn't, I was horrible, I met God, now I'm a perfect person. It's, I'm, I was horrible, I met God, and God is working the horrible out of me. He's changing me. He, he is making me less and less of what I was and more and more of who I am. I was talking to a young man not too long ago. He was talking about the concept of Alcoholics Anonymous, Anonymous and and some other like-minded programs like that and, and how it was helping him. And so I'm like, yeah, man, that's really good. I'm, I'm encouraged that it's helping you. And, and we talked a little bit about it, but I asked him, I said, you know, and the topic was, you know, what do you think about that kind of, Ed? What do you think about that? And, and so I asked him, I said, do they make you stand up? I mean, do they do this? Do they make you stand up? And I'm not going to mention what the, what the anonymous was he was on, but they'll use Alcoholics Anonymous because that's a prevalent issue in our society. And, and I remember, because I had to go to AA, uh, I was court mandated to go to AA when I got popped for my second or third DUI. They took my license away, made me go to all these classes, and then I had to go to AA. And I remember getting signed in and everything. And then I learned this. I learned this. They taught me to do this. I'd get up in the group, and I would say, my name is Ed, and I'm an alcoholic. And back then, that was a true statement. So that I could get up in that group and I could say that was actually what I was. I was completely addicted to alcohol with really no, part, no hope of ever getting out from under it. That even when I was going through Alcoholics Anonymous, I was thinking of a way to drink and to get back to my life. I know it was bad. I know I just bankrupt my little family again. I know Marie's going to leave me. I know my son doesn't respect me. I know I'm going to have the potential of doing great damage under that. And I know, so I'll go through the classes, but I think after I'm done with the classes and I get my license back, I can just figure out a way to drink without getting in trouble again. That's how my mind worked. Why? Because I was completely sold over to it. I was under the power of it. But then in February of 1991, 
in a church not unlike this, I was introduced to the hope and the love and the changing power of God. I was told the gospel that Jesus Christ was sent into the world to relate to me and to come and sacrifice his life. Now, my dad was very sacrificial. My mom was sacrificial, but they didn't give their lives for me. They didn't give their lives unconditionally for me. And when I heard about the love of God, when I heard a pastor teach about the love of God, I could only respond by saying, I don't think God could love me. I don't think that pastor is completely accurate. I don't think he knows everybody in the room. Because there's a lot of people in this room that are probably a million times better than me. And God can love them. But me, I know me. There's just no way. I don't even love me. So why would God love me? And, and yet there was such confidence in the love of God. And the confidence is this. God demonstrated his love. That's what the Bible says. God demonstrated his love that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was sacrifice. Like even in our worst condition, God demonstrated. He didn't just say it. He says, if you ever doubt it, look, look. Jesus Christ died an innocent death for you and for me. And I responded to the invitation as I'm going to give in just a moment to you. That anyone wants to experience that love and the forgiveness that you can do that today. And I responded. And while I didn't understand it completely at that day, something happened to me in that evening. I didn't feel it. Fireworks didn't go off. I, was very, I felt very much like the same knucklehead that walked into that church. But behind the scenes, God did something. And one of the things that God did was he made me a new creation in Christ. All things passed away in the past. Behold, all things are new. So that if I was to walk into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting to support somebody and to be there with them and they asked me to get up, I would say, my name is Ed and I'm no longer an alcoholic. I haven't been an alcoholic from the second, the millisecond that Jesus Christ saved my life. He delivered me instantly in that moment from my addiction to alcohol. He delivered me spiritually. He delivered me emotionally. He delivered me physically so that I am no longer, it would not be the truth for me to stand up and say, I am Ed and I am an alcoholic. That's not the truth. The truth is, is that I am Ed and through the power of God, he has delivered me from something that I cannot deliver myself from. That I can go through the 12 steps but in the 12 steps are just delaying the inevitable. And that is, what do I do when the temptation comes again? What do I do when I'm at Chili's and the bar is to the right? What do I do when I am pressured and Marie and I are arguing and the kids are just out all upside down and I can't pay the bills and I need something and I want something. I had a hard day at work and I just, just feeling the pressure of everything on me and I don't want to feel the pressure and I don't want to be in the moment and I don't want to think about anything and I have this habit of just escaping the moment by drinking to the point of drunkenness. Why, why don't I just, what do I do now when I have that temptation? This is what I do. I trust God to provide all of these things for me because he promised to. And I don't run to the bottle. And so, and so, 
when I think of this, this true story of Naaman, and some of you might be here for the first time, you go, I don't understand. So go back to get the Bible study. Go back to the beginning of chapter 5 and read the, read, go through the Bible study on our app or on our website, and you'll see what happened with Naaman's life, and we went through it. And this story of Naaman is actually a great picture of the salvation story. Because when he dipped in the waters like Elisha told him to, like, like he had to follow the message. He had to do what he was told to do. Even though it struck his pride. Even though he didn't want to do it. Even though he's a man of great stature. He had everything and yet had nothing. He had a disease that was going to kill him. Money, prestige, all he had it all. And when he responded to the message, when he did what Elisha told him to do, he was cleansed. And when you do what you're told to do, God will cleanse you through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, so that you too can declare, no matter how hard the temptations are, and no matter what you feel, you can stand up and say, I am fill in the blank, and I have been delivered from the sin that has plagued me my whole life. And today I can walk by faith and not run and fail to that temptation. You don't have to identify yourself by your past sin because your past sin doesn't identify you. It actually never did. You just adopted that definition of yourself. I always remember Rahab. You guys are familiar with Rahab in the Bible, yes? And so she has a first, last name, first la- middle, and last name, doesn't she? She is Rahab the harlot. What a reputation to have. That's how she's known in the scriptures. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the sexually promiscuous. Rahab, this is how we know you. You're the town prostitute of Jericho. You're the one that everyone knew where they had to go, where the guys were going in and out of your house because you were the harlot. You were the harlot. You were the harlot. However, if you go to heaven... And because you have that background, you want to meet Rahab, do not ask for Rahab the harlot because she is no longer Rahab the harlot. She's been redeemed fully now. At her point in life, she was looking forward to Messiah, the Savior. But now after Jesus has come and he set the captives free, she knows Jesus in his fullness. She is no longer Rahab. You can call her Rahab the sister. You can call her Rahab the saint. You can call her Rahab the faithful, but do not call her Rahab the harlot. She's not a harlot anymore. I don't care how many years she was. Why? Because when God changes a person, he changes you from the inside out. He changes you thoroughly. We have it all backwards, and this is where I'll close, and we didn't cover any of the text, but I think God had a word that you might be able to use and minister the gospel to your friends and family, to your co-workers. We have it all backwards. And this is how. We always go on the, try to change the outward in people. Do this, say this, look this way, straighten your, your pants, put your belt on, comb your hair, don't party. And we always deal with the outward. And that does get some temporary success because we can stop the outward for a while. But that's not how God works. God, he looks past all the dirtiness and ugliness of our past. He looks past all of the, you know, the biggest thing about me not believing the love of God, the biggest thing in my life was I just knew as soon as somebody found out who the real Ed was, the love would stop. If they started doing a little digging, run a background check on me and start finding out what I've been into, all this Christian stuff wouldn't apply to me. 
Maybe all the goody, good people and all the, you know, maybe them, but as soon as they found out that I just got out of uh, drunk driving school, you know, and I've just had to go through all that and they, I don't even have a license in my back pocket or, you know, whatever it was at the time, like just if they find that out, nah, man. Because I experienced love in the world and even me, I, I wasn't able to love unconditionally. I love totally conditionally. You make me happy, I'll be nice to you. You don't make me happy, I'll make life miserable for you. That was my way I lived life. That's not how God is. That's not how his love is. He loves the miserable. And he loves the broken. He loves your mom, your dad, your brother. He loves your boss, your coworker. He loves your neighbor. He loves the one that lives above you and the one that lives below you. You know, he loves your brother that's just so angry all the time. He loves him. He's able to get around that to get to the core issue, even if we're unable to. That's why prayer puts us in contact with God that then changes our heart toward the people that are hard to love. So when you leave here, you have a story in the Bible that's very fascinating that you can use as a way to share the gospel. This guy, Naaman, has it all except something he has, he has no power over. His leprosy, money couldn't deal with it position couldn't deal with it. Uh, titles couldn't deal with it. Castles or whatever he lived in couldn't deal with it. He, was, he had something that no one could deal with but God. And God deal, did deal with it through an obscure message. Because the cross is an obscure message. He followed the one that died a horrific, torturous death. The God in human form, who could have called legions of angels down to destroy everybody, he died anyway. And from all the worldly standards, he looked like a failure. Go ahead, follow the worldly failure. He'll change your life. That's how the first century thought of it. To die on a cross was like the worst thing. It's like, it would be the equivalent, you know, of, of you know, the guy that died in the electric chair. He's your savior. Go ahead and follow him. And then what would you think? If a guy was dying in an electric chair, what would you think? He probably did something to deserve it. They don't just put people in the electric chairs for nothing. But for Jesus, it was all set up. They even hired people to lie, for, lie about him. People were like spreading gossip about him. And his love was so strong that it, incur, it, it incited hatred in the political power and the religious power structure of the day. And just like Naaman, go to Jordan River. That's foolish. I know. Do it. Yeah, but I'm not going to, man, the rivers are cleaner. You know, my, this religion over here doesn't require anything from me. And this religion over here, you know, they promise nirvana. And this religion over here says, if I just go to church, that'll be fine. And this religion, no, there's nobody, not, no other religion requires a relationship with God. All they require is to follow what they say. And it still leaves you empty. All the religious action still leaves a person empty. You must be born again. You, you can only receive life from the inside. How would we be cleansed of our sins? By immersing ourselves fully in the judgment that Jesus Christ took for us on the cross. That's it. And the people in your life, they need to hear this. Not just from me. Invite them to church for sure. Bring them. Tell them about the radio station. Point them out on the app and have them listen in private. Great. But your friends and family, the people that are in your life need to hear this from you. You're here today, you need to hear it from me. But so many other people aren't here today, they need to hear it from you. You are equipped to share the love of God. Right? Because everybody believes in New Zealand, and except for like three or four people, you've never been there. 
And we all believe in Jesus. Why? Because of the evidence of a changed life. The Bible says that there were 500 people that witnessed his resurrection, like in the day, that touched him, ate with him, hung out with him. Like Jesus died, but he also rose again. That's power. The power of the cross is verified in the power of the resurrection. Jesus Christ is alive. And the reason there's power in my words today is because of the life of Jesus Christ. These are not merely English words, but rather words that are activated and, and made, brought to life through the power of God, his resurrection power. Your marriage needs resurrection power. Your singleness needs resurrection power. Your bitterness needs resurrection power. Your conflict needs resurrection power. The good news is, by faith in Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors through Christ who died and rose again for us. Thanks for listening today to Abounding Grace and a message from Pastor Ed Taylor taken from 2 Kings 5. You can hear it again online right now at calvaryaurora.org. Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, we learned how we are to be cleansed of our sins. And maybe someone listening realizes that is exactly what they need. Would you lead them in a prayer to receive Christ into their lives? Larry, it would greatly encourage me to lead many in a prayer, uh, receiving Jesus Christ into their lives. But first, just let us be reminded of what the gospel, the good news is. All of man has been separated from God by sin. And no matter what we do or how good we think we are, we will never meet God's holy and righteous standards. God loved us so much, though, that some 2,000 years ago, He came to earth as a man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He lived a perfect life. He died on a Roman cross, a torturous, horrific death, and he was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. The power of the resurrection from God was demonstrated through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive right now. And if we'll turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven. If you choose to reject Jesus, then you're going to face a certain judgment, the eternal separation from God in a place that we commonly refer to as hell. I mean, as real as heaven is, hell is real. And it's not God's heart for you to live eternally separate from him. It's just simply not. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. And so if you would turn your life to him today, you confessing with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So pray this with me, would you? You can repeat after me. God, I admit that I've sinned against you, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived for me, died for me, and rose again from the dead to save me from my sins, to rescue me. And I want to live my life for you, Jesus, from this day forward. Help me to turn away from my sinful past and to submit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, give us a call. You can call the church here, 303-628-7200, or go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, and you can go right in there to How to Know God and register your decision with us. We'll send you a little gift and encourage you in the Lord. Um, it, It is a powerful thing. Congratulations from going from death to life, from darkness to light. Thanks, Larry. What a privilege.
Friend, if you just prayed along with Pastor Ed, we'd like to know about it so we can help you get your new life in Christ off to a great start. It would also make our day to hear this wonderful news. So please visit calvaryaurora.org. Look for How to Know God, and there you can register your decision. As Ed says, we'll send you a gift, too. Hey, do you have a stubborn habit you'd like to break free of here in the new year? Maybe it's filthy language or an improper thought life. We'd like to suggest a great book by Erwin Lutzer that can help. It's called How to Break a Stubborn Habit. You'll learn how to apply God's Word and overcome whatever is plaguing your life. We'll send it to you with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord here in 2019. We rely completely on God to make all this happen, and we look to our listeners to help us cover the increasing costs of being on the radio. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you prefer to write to Abounding Grace, jot down this address, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Well, there's much more to come in 2 Kings. Don't miss a moment of the journey right here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 